0: Okay, I have another thought about Dilbert.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Zero Stars podcast, a podcast about video games and corporate training sessions. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. But first, we are going to discuss a recent event in your life, Matt, when you attended a corporate training session.
0: Yeah, it was a, uh, a seven-hour class in... <laughs> scrum scrum and agile Ooh, scrum being the framework in which you implement the agile philosophy yes
1: the agile manifesto
0: manifesto um i don't really want to talk about scrum or agile it's
1: weird because i could talk about scrum and agile all day and i don't know if i like it
0: yeah i definitely as of right now do not like it there was a moment when the uh the I wanted to say professor, but this person was not even a scrum master. Not accredited. Um, the the woman who was teaching the class put uh, her projector up, and the very first slide was a Dilbert comic. <laughs> <laughs> was it on a transparency? No, <laughs> like an overhead projector. Yeah, that would be great. That would be awesome. Um No, she put up a Dilbert comic, and I wrote down like in my notebook. I wrote, "Is this hell?" <laughs> <And> <laughs> what was what was the content of this Dilbert? It was um about applying a brand new framework to your your office life. Would you say this was a good, Dilbert? I would, I would grade it a C minus. <laughs> like most Dilbert. <laughs> Do you like Dilbert? I cannot
1: remember the actual premise of any Dilbert,
0: but I but you remember like the overall premise of what Dilbert. Yeah, and I yeah. wonder
1: if I was a cubicle slave. In the mid '90s, if I would have been like this guy gets me,
0: you would have put them all over your cubicle. <laughs> I am the Dill and the Bird. This so is it funny that you mentioned this guy? Because during the training session, for a while, I was trying to remember the name of the guy who created Dilbert. <laughs> Scott Dilbert. I thought for I, like, I actually it's not convinced. Dilbert. No, it's not. But I looked it up afterwards. But for a while, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Scott Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he like a neo? fascist right-wing man i think he's like a neocon yeah. Okay, um it's scott adams is the scott name. adams scott not to adams. be confused with douglas adams no one of them is much funnier than the other and it's yeah. scott adams <laughs> <laughs> scott adams who i was pretty sure was named scott dilbert
1: oh i wish his name was scott dilbert i'm yeah i, I can't think of a single dilbert that really got me ever but i remember being young and there was one where the dog had a hat that looked like an acorn it was like a beret there was like a long running segment where (laughs) the dog wore a beret and pretended to be french or something and i thought that was pretty funny because it was a dog in a beret
0: does that that is pretty good that dog wears glasses i give it a b that a b plus (laughs) okay wait does does the dog work at the office too no i think the dog is like
1: garfield in that it is like Dilbert's home life is ruled by the dog and his work life is ruled by this boss. Oh, okay. Dilbert has no free agency. This is, so it is
0: hell. Dilbert is hell.
1: Well, isn't that why the boss's hair is pointy? Because he's the devil?
0: That's a good point. I've been Uh, reading up on my Dilbert thought. (laughs) I should write a dissertation about Dilbert. The disturbing thing is that I feel as though if you were to ask me to, I could draw a really good Dilbert. I could probably draw the entire cast of Dilbert pretty well. Right now,
1: yeah, but you also draw things.
0: That's true. Like
1: Scott Adams, you are an artist. <laughs> what if I
0: should, should I just start start submitting Dilbert comics? Yes, to, definitely to various should. newspapers.
1: <laughs> well, Dilbert's so disconnected from anything resembling pop culture that I would bet that Scott Adams is in a. Uh, what's the Garfield man's name?
0: Jim Davis. Jim Davis Jim Garfield.
1: <laughs> I almost I was like Jim Adams. <laughs> uh, I. I know that Jim Davis is like two years ahead on Garfield.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Does he's... he still do them himself?
1: Yes. Well, he has like a team that draws them or something. This is unclear, but he is yeah. so far ahead that he requires a team he will to draw Garfield. Die, <laughs> <laughs> and there will be more Garfield. Like it is like a prince-like vault of other material unreleased.
0: Does he continue to get ahead of himself? Yes, like, does I believe he only still advance further.
1: I believe there is still a Garfield comic created every day, but he is so far ahead at this point that he essentially just coasts in perpetuity. Okay.
0: Okay, so there's a there's probably so it's not like he's creating three a day when you only need one a day.
1: At one point he was doing. At that. one
0: point he was. I doing mean, that and they were during, all winners during his blue period. Yeah, yeah. When he was just super prolific, feeling <laughs> hot. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about my corporate training session. It was awful.
1: All right. Well, do you want to talk about video games? Yeah. Nice, man. What have you been playing?
0: Um, I started out right after we recorded last uh, two weeks ago. I started playing this game called CrossCode. Have you heard of it?
1: I have heard about it because you said you were playing CrossCode. Yeah. Uh,
0: I had heard about it uh, via Kotaku where they had posted about it like a few weeks back. And it's uh, it's on Steam and, and it was um, apparently like just like this beloved game that just didn't get a whole lot of attention. Okay. In part because it was probably on Steam and it's an indie game. Um,
1: this was released last year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you and I tend to le- read less of the computer gaming press than we do probably the console press, yes. I would say. So I think it slipped under our radars for that reason. So CrossCode is developed by Radical Fish. Seems like a really small team. It's like an SNES style. It looks like Secret of Mana or something like that. Okay. Um, And it is like both an action RPG and sort of a twin-stick shooter.
1: That sounds okay.
0: Yeah, it sounds like something I would kind of like because I like twin-stick shooters. Like
1: in the... Binding of Isaac's sense,
0: um, yeah, but with more puzzle oriented twin stick shooting. Okay, so um, the game has a lot of puzzles. It is very puzzly. It is like there's large sections of combat which are okay, mm-hmm. and then large sections of uh, puzzle solving in the vein of like Legend of Zelda, like these large dungeons that have like a little bit of combat, but are mostly like kind of moving from puzzle room to puzzle room to puzzle room.
1: Do those puzzles in a dungeon amount to a larger puzzle you know how in Zelda you'll solve like puzzles in four quadrants of the thing and then that allows you to solve the central puzzle
0: less so it's more like you solve puzzles in four quadrants and they light up a light in the central area that lets you move on to the next floor uh-huh um, so it's it's fine I got through the first two main dungeons and after the second main dungeon I gave up because the problem is that these dungeons take forever
1: like and <laughs> how long are we talking what's forever to you
0: uh the second dungeon took me three hours
1: oh that's like a full work day and it Dilbert. was not
0: that much fun and like the rest of it's a lot of fun like it's a uh, the conceit is that you are playing a um some sort of a either human or ai it's kind of unclear with amnesia and you are logged into a massive multiplayer rpg Oh, okay. Online RPG.
1: And you don't know if you're a real person or an NPC?
0: I don't know. It's hard to tell because when everybody else logs out, you also log out. But all that happens is that you seem to have dreams in the ether. Oh. You don't have a life outside of logging out. You just have these dreams about things. And it's like, the story is like a little slowly told, but very cool. The characters are all likable. Um, I'm digging this. It's a really, it's kind of a cool conceit. And a lot of that is really fun. It's fun to because you run around with a party. Everything is out obviously actually an npc but it feels kind of like an mmorpg okay um and you run around with your your like side characters and they comment on things as you're fighting battles and stuff like that um but the the dungeons you do alone i see so everything slows down with the dungeons and like it's sort of like if a really great pop punk band wrote like a bunch of hits and put it on an album, but then every two tracks, they decided to include, like, a 16-minute prog rock song. That actually sounds okay, but keep going. And, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily (laughs) does sound okay. Like, that is just, it, like, it grates.
1: You feel like the pacing is off because of the dungeons. Oh, the
0: pacing is totally off because of the dungeons. But is what
1: is happening in the dungeons not fun enough? Are the puzzles poorly designed?
0: The puzzles are all relatively well designed, but you're doing so many of them one after another after another that it becomes a real slog. I see. And... Maybe there's a part of me that is this might go back to the Oprah Din problem wherein I might just not be smart enough to get some of these. <laughs> but like there were a few that were just taking so so long. And finally in the second dungeon, there were three puzzles where I looked up the solutions because I was just tired of trying. On the second level. Yeah. Oh no. I mean second of uh, I think there's like four. Oh, okay. So yeah. you're like yeah. halfway, so I was halfway through. Halfway this through. Game. Yeah. So I got about halfway through the game. Um and I just I was like, okay, I know what this game is. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> As a reporter on video games, <laughs> as a games journalist, so licensed, to speak. licensed. I have it. Yeah, have it Show on my wall. me your press pass. An expert in Scrum <laughs> and a licensed <laughs> game journalist. Um, Dilbert connoisseur And Dilbert illustrator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> potential Dilbert illustrator. Aspiring I, uh, Dilbert <laughs> illustrator. Potential aspiring Dilbert illustrator. I. Uh, in any case, just like bounced off of it because I was like, I understand what this game is now. And the story is interesting, but not that interesting. I can go read a book and I'm going to like it a lot more. Will you look up the end of the story online? Um, I guess the damning thing is that I'm not sure I would.
1: That is extremely damning because it seems like you were into no. it for the story, but then the other parts were taking you away from that. I take so if it you're back. not even that invested in the story, this game does not seem good.
0: I take it back. Um, it did not occur to me to do that. And I will probably do that now that you have mentioned that I can do that. I'd never do that for things, though. I'm not someone who necessarily thinks to do that. And as a result, it just didn't really occur to me. Okay. I will probably, when you leave, do that and then text you about it because I know you will never play this game.
1: I am sort of intrigued by it, but I will not play It's coming it. to the Switch. Seems like a good place for it.
0: Yeah, it it seems like it would be a good place for it. The other pain about this was that I'd had to hook up my computer to my TV and my controller every single time. Mm-hmm. And the MacBook Pro only has two uh, USB-C outlets. Okay. Uh, so it was constantly switching between charging and putting it on my TV and oh. charging and putting it on my TV. And the controller would take a while to sync and it was just... Eh.
1: Yeah, that doesn't seem ideal.
0: Yeah, no. But it's an interesting game. When it comes out on the Switch, I think it is worth, like, if you really, if you have a real yen for those old secretive mana type games, um, it's worth checking out. And it has a lot of very smart puzzles. The puzzles are very smartly done, especially early on when they're simple enough that I can understand them. (laughs) And at a certain point, it just becomes too much, as Dave
1: Matthews tells us. (laughs) Uh I realized that we just hopped right into that, but we did not make time for the News Hour.
0: Oh, right. Yes. There was
1: actually a fair amount of news this week, but we're going to whittle that down to what is obviously the most important news of this week. Kingdom Hearts 3. That game came out?
0: Did it? I think it comes out Uh, next Friday. Or next Tuesday.
1: I have no idea.
0: I feel people like, are people are definitely playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts to refresh themselves. Yeah,
1: and I f- the hype train really ramped and yeah. now I feel as though we are in the eye of the storm and it is just silent, but like people are playing it and I have no idea when that game actually there arrives.
0: There is a, like in my apartment building, which is probably composed of I don't know, um 20 units, there are probably at least 4 people playing Kingdom Hearts right as we speak. Statistically, statistically. Yeah. Yes. Which is amazing to me that like Tetsuo Nomura is that his name? I can't remember something Numera, like that. I Numura? I think it's Numura? Yeah, he, that he the the director and designer and like the guy who's basically the creative head of Square at this point. Yeah, he has that large of a penetration into Western culture via Kingdom Hearts more than Final Fantasy.
1: I, Final Fantasy though was the gateway drug. Oh yeah, and then by combining it with Disney. He kicked down the door and gave everybody a cool leather jacket with a thousand zippers.
0: <laughs> That's true. I mean, do you think that they're real leather, those jackets?
1: That's a very good question.
0: Where are they getting the leather from?
1: If all the animals in this world can talk, what's being skinned, what's being skinned for, for its Sora's leather? jacket? For, yeah. That's a great question. Uh, And I'm sure it's addressed in one of the DS games. <laughs>
0: yeah, one of multiple DS games. Like Kingdom Hearts 1.36. 1. Dream Drop, Drop Distance. Yeah. Have you played any of the Kingdom Hearts games? I played the first Kingdom Hearts game. I played game. the first one, too. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I know Tim Rogers, um, Icon, and... Gamer. Gamer. <laughs> Noted icon and gamer. He really likes the second one, especially.
1: Yeah, I never played it.
0: It makes me curious about the second one.
1: I think mm-hmm. the second one was really peak PS2. That right near the sense. end there when the PS2 was really cooking.
0: Yeah, like when Final Fantasy XII came out. Yeah. That game know. was.
1: I like that that's game a lot. A, that's the wind of quality. <laughs>
0: um. So wait, what did you want to talk about in the news? Uh, Metroid
1: Prime out? 4. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which was announced two years ago, basically now. A little under two years wow. ago. Because they announced it the first E3 following the launch of the Switch. So they said that they just showed a title screen. and They said, Metroid Prime 4, it's happening. And then people said, who is developing this? And I think that it came out that it was Bandai, Namco, was like involved. Because Nintendo has a connection to Namco. Okay, Uh, so it wasn't
0: one of the RD teams. I don't think it was
1: internal. And then it was not retro, critically, right? Because retro had made the earlier Metroid Primes, and so that was kind of weird. And then this week, they... Issued this really weird statement where they basically were like, This game is on fire,
0: Retro's taking it over, and we're restarting development. From the very start. Yeah, and they apologized they apologized for the delay. Which <laughs> was very kind of sweet of them, I suppose, but it
1: definitely seems like things went extremely sideways for them to yeah. make this public.
0: What I wouldn't give to see I would give up Metroid Prime 4 in order to see whatever like the actual game in order to see whatever kind of wreck was coming out of Uh, the team that had been working on it. Can you imagine
1: whatever vertical slice they must have shown to Nintendo and just to be a fly on the wall in this meeting where they're like all right so we're gonna show you what we've got and then (laughs) just a surly Miyamoto just kind of leaning back in a chair.
0: Putting cigarettes out on himself (laughs) because it feels better. (laughs) It allows the pain. (laughs) Yeah
1: like I can't imagine letting Nintendo down like that if you've been trusted with a new Metroid. Yeah. But then again, Team Ninja did make Other M, so.
0: <laughs> I forgot that was Team Ninja.
1: Yeah. That was a rough one. Yeah. Uh, I never played it. Are you excited for Metroid Prime 4?
0: I I mean, yeah, I'll buy it when it comes out because it's a big Nintendo game and n- Nintendo games tend to be really good because they have the Nintendo seal of equality <laughs> on them. I almost said the Nintendo seal of equality. <laughs> and
1: as they just keep cramming more characters really? into all their games, eventually we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Representation for Birdo. <laughs>
0: is this podcast team birdo uh
1: i'm team birdo birdo is actually like the first trans video game character yeah
0: no i remember although i sometimes wonder whether that came out of like a typo rather than or a mistranslation well i think that it was a little bit
1: uh pejorative they were like look at this weirdo who dresses like a girl but he's a dude But then they didn't pass that much judgment in the instruction manual, so we can read it positively. Yeah.
0: And then and then un, w- without their input, Berto became a trans icon. Yes. Yeah. He
1: is like gritty as a worker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about retro taking over?
1: None of the principles from the era of Metroid Prime are still at retro. Hmm. Uh so it seems largely symbolic because retro has just become more and more of a nintendo studio putting out all of those donkey kong games and stuff
0: which are acclaimed yeah and beloved but they've been doing platformers for a while now it's been a while since they did a first person game
1: it's clear that nintendo trusts retro and also that trust could just be born out of a very tight leash (laughs) you know like retro is just a western studio that just adheres to everything nintendo tells them to so maybe that's why they trust them i think that this is a good sign for this game.
0: Mm-hmm. In the long I mean, term. it's got to be better than whatever was yeah. being presented. And so, it's yeah. clear
1: that Nintendo cares about this game being good, which is also good, because the sense that I got with Other M was that they sort of cut this studio loose and let them do whatever. Hmm. And Nintendo definitely, in the Switch era, as compared to the Wii era, the Wii U in the Switch era, I think, doubled down on quality of their games. Yeah, much and more than the Wii era. Yeah, the games just got better. Uh probably because they put more of a focus on it.
0: I mean, so. the Wii U had some incredible games.
1: Many of them are coming out on the Switch. Yeah. So that's pretty cool.
0: This is the good news. Do you think that they will release the old Metroid Primes on the Switch? That'd be great. With the Wii controls? They did that on the Wii. They did it on the Wii with Wii controls.
1: Maybe. That game, the first Metroid Prime, though, controlled so well with a GameCube controller. Yeah. I It was so nicely tuned for it that... I don't even think like you need the Wii controls. I think that was kind of a gimmick.
0: I guess the real question is, are they going to bring out Resident Evil 4 with Wii controls on the Switch? That'd be great. They should do that. They really should do that. That game is a lot of fun. That game's
1: good. Speaking of games that were rebooted midway through development yeah. because of quality issues, uh, and speaking of Resident Evil... Speaking of Resident Evil... I hear you've been playing a Resident Evil game that was rebooted halfway through development because of quality yeah. issues.
0: Um... Wait, really? Was this one Resident Evil Evil 2, 2, the remake, was rebooted? Not the remake, but the original. Oh, I didn't know that about the original. Yeah. Oh, what was the original plan for Resident Evil 2? It was
1: similar, but uh, there's actually a very good article on Polygon that sums up this entire journey, which you can go check out. I will. Um, I'm going to do that right now. Yeah. So turn off the podcast. (laughs) Uh we're going
0: to be turning off the podcast so you should turn off the podcast too then when you come back.
1: Yeah, or maybe you know this week when you're feeling particularly Dilbert in your office just uh scroll over to Polygon, <laughs> check that out. Um but yeah, the development went kind of sideways and they were trying to make this mm. aliens to alien thing and a lot of the mechanics just kind of weren't there and the story was bad and apparently there was some sort of come to Jesus meeting cuz they had a new director on it, Mikami like appointed this dude yeah. And was like, you're, I think, the rising star. Make this thing. And this guy had no experience. Yeah. And so just like wasn't ready. And then there was this come to Jesus meeting and they were like, we're going to have to push this game back a year and basically rework the whole thing.
0: You remember when games used to get delayed just a year to rework the whole thing? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it was easier to make games then, too.
0: Oh, yes. It 100% was.
1: There are a lot of great little things in that article. Like apparently, <laughs> up until they were going to print the discs, they were like, this is a one disc game. And then they went to do that, and they were like, we did the math wrong on how big these music files are, and this is a two-disc game. (laughs) And then, like, Mikami had to go to Capcom and be like, hey, this game is a year late. And we said it would cost this much to make it, but what if you had to double that because we have two discs in every box? And they're, at that point, Capcom just couldn't say no because they had no money.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it made them some money.
1: It worked out, and now they're making more money off of it because you are playing the remake.
0: The remake of Resident Evil 2, which is by Capcom. 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 Um, It's a really good game. Yeah, you're loving it? It's a good game. Um, You've never played the original. I've never played the original. This game feels like it was made from muscle memory. Like it is proof that Capcom, whoever is at Capcom, they can still make like a game that is not Resident Evil 6. Uh the issue with this game is primarily that it's not only not Resident Evil 4, but it's not The Evil Within or The Evil Within 2. Just because
1: The Evil Within pushes things in a new direction, mm-hmm.
0: it's not iterative. Um it feels it's a remake of an old game. So it it feels good. It feels good to play. It's a good game. It's a very. It's in many ways a very good game. Yeah, I would say the um, screenshots look gorgeous. It's a good looking game. Uh, although I have some problems with how it looks. It just it, it's it's missing some. Not only is it missing some of the iterative nature of the Evil Within Two, which kind of pushes things in a new direction and tries new things and gives you um, like the ability, even just something like as simple as the ability to level up is really oh. sort of missing from this game for a modern game. Yeah. There's no leveling tree. There's no progression um, for the character. Beyond getting new guns. Right. And I don't know if I want to call it a design flaw, but it doesn't... It's I miss it. I miss it much more than I thought I would. And it reminds me of how much I enjoy the leveling aspects of video games.
1: Well, and that's uh, one of the real changes since that game came out, mm-hmm is that RPG style mechanics like that permeated everything. Yes. Uh, especially, you know, you get Call of Duty 4. Yes. And yeah. like that's a perfect example of it. But just that idea that you should be getting XP and that your character should be getting better and you should be buying upgrades for everything.
0: I mean, it's in it's in Resident Evil 4 even. It is. Yeah. And that's missing from from this. Um that being said, it's it's an, it, maybe that makes it a more effective survival horror game mm-hmm. because you just just feel like the tiny man with for the most part just a tiny gun who's running around like barely getting by, by the seat of his pants. And it really draws um, attention to how much Resident Evil 4 is an action game. But to my mind, it also draws attention to how you can do survival horror in, in, in and do this genre without going full Resident Evil 4 and kind of do something along the lines of uh, The Evil Within, or The Evil Within 2, which I think is pretty superior to the original Evil Within. Yeah. Um, so, there's that it's it's um it's kind of exactly what it looks like if you've seen the advertisements. It's scary. There's a lot of tension the a lot tyrant, of jump scares no, actually, not a lot of jump scares, okay. but the tyrant there's the sense of being stalked constantly uh-huh. that is very intense, and I spend a lot of time listening to footsteps. The sound design is excellent <laughs> great you can they there's an option when you first put it up where it's like, do you want to have sound design where like everything will feel as though it is appropriately above you to your left? To your right or behind you. Who would pick no? I know exactly. So it's a lot of fun to play on headphones. Um, it's a lot of fun to play on speakers. Still, it's a. Uh, it's good. It's missing some of the goofiness, though. It's very serious. Leon, it's very serious. It's shockingly serious. Leon is a real
1: idiot in that game in a way that I remember enjoying a lot He's when I first played it.
0: less of an idiot this time around. I don't know. I, so I've beaten the first section. I'm halfway through the second section. I think that there are four total sections. So I'm not quite halfway. As Leon. As Leon, okay. yes. And then there's an entire game as Claire, which I haven't even touched. I'll right, update right. on that when the time comes. Leon has a foul mouth. Really? Sometimes he'll shoot a zombie and just be like, fuck you really yeah you should bleep that by the way because we have kids that listen i i don't know about that i don't know why
1: that offends me but for some reason i'm just it like leon me too. doesn't do that he leon doesn't. just says shit sometimes yeah
0: and he still says shit sometimes <laughs> well, but like course. he like like he said, he'll be like fuck off Oh, I don't you, I like, don't kill like this. Leon. I don't like it either. I don't like also, that. Also, he doesn't look like our Leon. He does not. I I every time I look at pictures of this game, he looks less like Leon. Also, unlike any other character who is smooth skinned, uh-huh. Leon randomly has like w- moles and freckles on his face. Hmm. And so he like there is this element to it is like why did you first of all, I've got nothing against like giving people their dermatological <sighs> Variances, <laughs> but like, why is Leon the only one who has Leon's them? the only one who's been in the sun? Yeah, he's like, no one else has spent any time in the sun. No one else was grown in a tube. Leon's lived a life. He's just, it's very strange, and he just doesn't look like Leon. No, S. Kennedy. he does not. Does he, he sound right? He sounds almost right. I still can't tell if it's the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the same dude, but whoever it is sounds like similar. Yeah, but like, except for the fact that our Leon S. Kennedy would never, like, you know. Flip Our Leon, off somebody yeah. verbally. Leon Kennedy language. is
1: protecting the president's daughter. Yes. He is a government man, despite having just been a rookie cop mere moments ago.
0: <laughs> He's chivalrous. Yes. He's sensitive. Yes. And he has actually attended finishing school. <laughs> and this Leon doesn't just feel like young. He feels like, I don't know. A lot of the game plays for emotional beats too. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly so. Um, I'm going without spoiling anything too much in the original game. Do you remember any scenes in which, like, a father is protecting his daughter who has recently started to turn?
1: It has been a long time since I played that game. Yeah,
0: I wonder how much of this has been added. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me curious to go back and play the original game, mm-hmm. frankly. But um, I don't know. There's like there's some scenes that are very that feel like they're they're attempting a Last of Us sort of yeah. sort of feel, um, like heavily mocapped, like a lot going on. But um, but um, but um. Uh, you
1: said that you don't like the way it looks.
0: Just the some of the character design, mm-hmm. really. Like I have mixed feelings about it. A lot of it feels like non-interactive. A lot of the spaces look yeah. really pretty, but they feel very non-interactive. It's very Resident Evil. Yes. Yeah. Um. I um. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, as as. Long-time listeners of this podcast are really just short-term listeners of this podcast. Even will know I've not been super into video games recently. Mm-hmm. they have just been bouncing off a lot of them, kind of the way that I've bounced off Crosscode. Like I'm being very generous with Crosscode in my quote-unquote review of it on this podcast mm-hmm. because I know that like I'm kind of coming from a skewed place, and so I'm trying to be generous with my review of Resident Evil. It is not Resident Evil Two. It is not. Doing for me what I want it to do for me, which is to make, to give me a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. The way that a lot of, the way that even The Evil Within 2 did, where I just wanted to play that game.
1: Do you think you will finish this game?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. I definitely think I will finish it.
1: Do you feel like
0: you are liking it more
1: the more that you play it or that you are liking it less?
0: More the more that I play it. Okay. That's definitely true. Um,
1: That seems good.
0: That's it's all positive, you know. I really a lot of a lot of my negative feelings about it. I think are kind of coming from silly places. Like I, I don't think that like Leon S. Kennedy's, I it mole really distribution pushes me is, away. Is yeah. I, like, uh, Oh, this the, the the language really pushes me away. The way that
1: Leon looks too. Just I don't know why I they have gave such him, a connection.
0: They gave him like a weird dimpled chin. That yes, he they does always not have. do that. It's so strange. And his his face just looks rounder, and it's, it's just not odd. It's just not right. I don't get it. Yeah, you made a comment previously about how it seems as though there is as though they are trying to recast Leon S. Kennedy with each new iteration. Yes, and I agree. And it didn't start bothering me until I had been playing this game for a little while. Yeah. Meanwhile, I have no associations with Claire Redfield, so I look forward Perfect. to. Perfect. She looks her more section. like Claire. Yeah.
1: So that's also good.
0: Yeah, my associations with her are like from the the box for Codename Veronica, which I think over the course of years I have thought maybe I want to play this.
1: Uh, Codename Veronica.
0: Is it a bad one? It's rough. I know you can dual wield. I just right. remember
1: playing the opening parts of that game and just being in the snow and just getting wrecked by a zombie and feeling like the time for that era of Resident Evil had really
0: passed. Mm. Uh, a quick spoiler alert for the very beginning of Resident Evil 2, but Ada Wong oh yeah does make an appearance, and she looks like Ada Wong nice, which is cool. That is cool. Yeah, she's a cool character. I'd forgotten like kind of how yeah. fun she is. <laughs> she's badass. She brings the goofy. She brings the goofy parts. That's good. She brings the goofy. Leon brings the Donald. <laughs> oh, it's a Kingdom Hearts joke. Yeah. Whew. I wasn't ready. It's too fast for you.
1: Yeah, the Donald has different connotations these days. It really does. It takes away it? all the
0: fun. It does. Oh, god, that didn't occur to me until just now. What a bummer! It's like a keyblade to the neck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. On that note, I did not play video games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. You Let me drive me. this keyblade further <laughs> into
1: your heart. Uh, I actually played board games, um, which was pretty fun. What's that like? Uh, it's kind of like a video game, but you don't hold a controller and you don't get to look at a cool screen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sell me on this. Okay. I played three games. Uh, people, devotees will remember that I am a student of
0: the ancient Chinese game of Go. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the ancient Chinese game of Warhammer 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or 40,000. My mistake is 40K, right? Yes. It's the,
1: yes, it's. <laughs> we did not get to chainsaw guns in the next <laughs> 2000 years i can tell you that much <laughs> so i love the game go it's a really simple old game right um and i had a friend in town this weekend and so we played a game of go he had never played uh who, and what's that who won i won as you son of a bitch i know <laughs> It there was a moment where it was like whoa <laughs> this has turned uh Go is really cool, and Go has one rule, which is that if there's a, like, it's a game of white and black dots, and if you have a dot on the board, and any of the four cardinal directions around that square, I mean, around that unit can be blocked, and if one of your dots has no adjacent squares that are free, that thing dies. And that's, like, the whole game, right? And your Mm -hmm. goal is just to have more dudes out there and have territory that nobody else can put a unit in, because if they put a unit there, it dies um one rule very simple and we played that and i was like man go is a great game it feels bad that i just trounced this person but they didn't know how to play the game until four minutes ago so that makes sense then we played a game which was previously the top rated game on board game geek Uh, uh, really and this game is called twilight struggle and it is a game of the cold war uh, and it is the exact opposite of go in literally every way. And it, this it was
0: uses lots of colors.
1: Uh, yeah. Go is only black and white. Yeah. So this is like getting a color TV.
0: Blue blew your mind. <laughs>
1: what is this? Um, whoa. So this game, I've played this game now three times and every time I have to relearn the rules. Is it just a two-person game? It's a two-person game. One person is the U.S., one person is the USSR. And you start out, and you have a map of the world, right? And every time I hear the rules, I go, this game is incredible. Because the way it works is that every single country on the Earth has uh, influence points, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, if you have this many influence points in this country, you own it, okay? Okay. Uh, you start the game, and there's like influence that the USS starts with, the USSR starts with, there's influence that the US starts with. And so you own certain countries going in. And then the game takes place over a series of turns in which you are placing influence in countries, removing influence from countries, and trying to control countries so that when certain cards are drawn that score the game, you have influence in countries giving you victory points. Okay? Basic, that's simple, right? Yeah. The actual game is this kind of convoluted thing where you're each having a hand of cards of world events that actually occurred during the cold war each of which has an event that transpired right Mm -hmm. and then a point value associated with it which is generally related to the severity of the event so that'll be anywhere from like one to four okay uh you have each of these cards though is either a ussr favoring event or a united states favoring event when you play the card, if you you can either play it to have the event happen, or you can play it to use the points to put influence on the board. Mm. But if you play it for the points and it's your opponent's card, like it's it's a USSR associated card and you are the US, the event happens no matter what.
0: Hmm. Which so is so. There's a lot of luck of the draw involved. Still,
1: this is the issue. Yeah, <laughs> because no matter it's so that's a cool mechanic, right? Like this yeah, idea it's very that cool. you're like okay. If I'm drawing all of my own cards, risk I'm reward. using the points, and this is cool. Yeah, risk-reward. But, the, well, it's, it's almost a risk-reward, but well, it's the kind of, of not, because the only other option, you have to play the cards, oh. and the only other option is to play it for the event. So you go, like, it starts out, and you're like, whoa, that's actually a really neat little risk-reward thing, where I'm like, well, I'm getting the points, but, like, they get Egypt for free because of the event. Yeah. But actually, that's not at all what transpires, because it really means that every single event goes off for the opposing team. And what that actually means is that in the second turn of this game, I drew all. I was the U.S., every card in my hand was a USSR event, and I lost on the next turn. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem fun. It,
0: that well, first game doesn't seem fun.
1: It was brutalizing like i i and also the rules are insane like they're so convoluted and it's like all of this stuff like if you make a coup attempt in this country and you have an adjacent country you add two to the die roll and the difference of the die rolls is the amount of influence that you will gain in the country if you roll a die higher than the added points of the operations points on the card that you played and your die roll
0: yeah that does not make my dilbert tie go up
1: no (laughs) it was really surprising to me because I expect like I get where there's mechanical things about this that are interesting and like I own this game cuz it was so highly rated and it's
0: cool. Oh, so you bought it.
1: I have this game. Oh, okay. And we can play it. Like we can explore. No, that's it. all right. It is just punishing. Like there the depth of it and I get where it's fun if for like oh, the Cold War is a crazy time in history and it's neat that we get to see all these real world events play out. Okay. How will it go? But what you realize I Playing it next to Go was this real study in contrast where it was like, this game has all the rules. And it makes it impossible to know what you're supposed to do. So you're holding these cards and you're just like, well, there's a zillion rules. All these cards have new rules printed on them.
0: Had had, um, the person you were playing with, had they ever played before? They'd played it like three times. Okay. And you had never played it before?
1: I'd played it like twice before a little bit. You know, kind of misunderstanding rules. Like this was easily the most correctly I've ever played it. It was a real wake-up moment for like distillation of rule sets in games you know yeah uh, and i was thinking about that just in terms of video games and like the types of video games i like and like why i like into the breach so much which i also played a little bit yeah but the game's so good did Have you, you play that it yet? no i haven't played it oh you gotta get back on it nah. uh i also played a board game called Azul. Zool like is Oh uh, I thought Zool. Yes, it's it's like, not the, there not is only Zool. Zool. <laughs> yeah. Uh like, all right, tell me. Yeah, now. it sounds pretty good. So Azul. Azul as in blue. And uh I think you mean azure. Isn't azul blue? No, it is. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know well enough to. It's also a single Zool. <laughs> of which there is only one because yeah. there is only Zool. Um <laughs> he meant there is only a Zool (laughs) a single Zool singular Zool not Zools (laughs) and then it's like footnote a plural Zool is actually just Zool (laughs) Um, I think that game's great so this was the winner of the like Der Spiegelplagen or whatever like the German board game award is every year the Germans would have a board game award they give one out every year yeah this is last year's winner and if you have the chance to play Azul, you should definitely do it.
0: I mean, do you own it? No. No? Okay. Are you but gonna buy it?
1: I might be getting rid of a copy of Twilight Struggle. So
0: <laughs> it sounds like a fair exchange. Uh this game's really, really cool.
1: Um, and it's just a game of tile matching. So you, you I can do that. It's like you build a grid, like a puzzle fighter-esque grid of colored tiles, and then their placement relative to one another, uh scores you points as you add things to the grid. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat little strategic thing where you're all picking colored tiles from like uh, different collections. But when you pick them, the remaining tiles, you can only pick one of a color from the group, but you have to take all of that color from the group. Mm. And then the remaining ones form a new group with all the other remaining tiles from which everybody can only take a single color. Mm. And so you end up in this situation where you are trying to fill out sets of colors to fill in individual. And it's not a trouble
0: for you. Bread. It's not trouble for you because you, I know you're color There aligned. are
1: patterns on them because they oh, clearly thought of they this. They thought through this. Yeah, yeah, they're very smart. I would
0: recommend Azul. It's
1: kind of complex to explain, but once you start playing it, very simple, clean rule set. Interesting. Great game.
0: I actually played a, a board game uh, this week too. What'd you play? Did you ever play code names? I love code names. Code names is fantastic. That won this award two years ago. Yeah. Guess who's really good at code names? You. Yeah. That was the <laughs> most hubristic thing you've ever said well i'm not usually good at board games or puzzles see okay see cross code for example i think that
1: code names is more of a it's like a relational thing in the way that where two people can be very good at charades because they understand one another rather yeah. than actually having anything to do I with, played the with game. a bunch of strangers
0: oh but they trusted me and they trusted my words and anyway, code games is is it code names code games <laughs> code games <laughs> Um, code games was definitely the name of one of those, like those manuals that you got when you were younger with your subscription (laughs) to Nintendo power. That was full of like codes for various games. Uh, It's
1: like things to use with your game shark.
0: Yeah. The code detective. Um, yeah. Codenames is a really great game.
1: Yeah. Really, really clean design. Yeah. (laughs) That's a game where the board is covered in words and your goal is to say a single word that gets people to guess which other words you mean Yeah it's on the
0: board It's a lot of fun Yeah Um So it's a Yeah it's really fun Uh did we get any mail Uh we did actually get some mail We got some mail
1: Chris Chris wrote in Chris wrote in and Chris tells us that uh in our last episode we were talking about camera work in games and we mentioned I said I wonder if they will start to use uh Different like lenses. Lens effects in yeah. video games in a way that they haven't been.
0: So that they're they're essentially um aping the the work of real lenses. Yeah. Pretending to have lenses.
1: <clears throat> exactly. And Chris wrote in and said that this totally happens already because skate, the skate games, if you remember those. Oh I do, yes. Uh apparently used a fisheye lens. Oh. Uh for like a lot of their visuals. Huh. And so People are already out there doing it in games that yeah. EA will never make sequels
0: to. <laughs> Hopefully, Kanan Lynch* two is among those. Oh my god! Well, well that, they weren't. A that wasn't game. an EA joint. No, but yeah, could pick up the license. You never know. Dreams might come true <laughs> for someone. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if for that some game some ends with like a fuck.
1: double suicide or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's. I don't want
0: to live without you.
1: <laughs> that seems like something that would occur in Kanan Lynch* two i didn't get that do you that think far. that they
0: finally kiss at the end oh that'd be so awesome
1: <laughs> or like maybe one of them realizes that the other one is imaginary because isn't like lynch delusional or something i think there's something like that yeah i know that if you played it in co-op one character would see like hallucinations that the other one wouldn't
0: really yeah like enemies Man, there's and so stuff. many good ideas in that <laughs> game that are executed in the most disgusting way and it the, makes that makes Leon swearing and Resident Evil 2 <laughs> remix so like trite. Feel, yeah feels feel like innocent by comparison.
1: Totally. That game is the worst. That game yeah. is 4chan on a disc. Oh,
0: oh. Anyway, yeah. Uh
1: did you like anything other than games this week? I, I did. know you only kind of liked games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought the games I played were good. Other people will like them. Um I read a really good book called The Bus on Thursday by Shirley Barrett. She's an Australian author and filmmaker, and this is, I think, her second novel. Um, but it's a it's a slim, quick little read that reads sort of like uh, someone's cancer blog.
1: Hmm.
0: But uh so it follows the uh narrator who has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer, goes through with a mastectomy and is sort of in recovery when um She gets a teaching position. She's a grade school teacher, and she gets a teaching position in this sort of remote village in Australia. Okay. And she goes there, and sort of weird, spooky things ensue. It's a ghost story. It's a ghost story, but mostly it is like the... One of the best voices I've encountered in like a novel in a long time. It is fucking hilarious. Really, pardon my French. I don't. I was going to say Leon has rubbed off on me, but it is (laughs) very, very funny. Um, I will like the the novel's not perfect. There's parts of it that sort of drag towards the end, but the opening fifty pages are just on fire and just like very funny.
1: That is not what I expected when you let off with breast cancer. Yeah,
0: it is like like cancer blog. It is like it is very funny. It's very self aware. Like it refers like. It makes a lot of references to something that I know kind of exists in the real world, which are kind of called angry, funny cancer blogs, mm. where people will blog about their experiences and their tone tends to be like a mix of like real anger and also like humor, like the 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 sort of defense mechanism of humor mm-hmm. and the role that that plays in in health and sickness and. Mm. Um, And this really runs with that and like kind of examines it in really interesting ways. And then and then it introduces like spooky, like weird kind of it's not like a ghost story, but it's like potentially demonic. Oh, yeah. Creatures and more than I was expecting. It is. It's it's a really cool book. What's it called again? The Bus on Thursday. The Bus on Thursday. Yeah. It's uh, published by uh, FSG Originals. I like the title.
1: I'm not going to remember it.
0: Fair enough. I mean, that's you never remember to take the bus on Thursday. I know. <laughs> I haven't been able to get anywhere I need to
1: go on Thursdays in years.
0: Mostly, just spend Thursdays lying in bed, um, reading Dilbert. <laughs> my Dilbert omnibus. <laughs>
1: it's like going to work because it's such
0: an accurate depiction of my existence. Oh, uh, it's more accurate than I would like it to, to have been when I was a child. <laughs>
1: Is more accurate to your childhood?
0: No, it's more accurate to my life right now than I would have liked it to have been when I was a child. My my tenses got very confusing. Yeah, I really
1: got lost there, but I like the idea of a child identifying with Dilbert.
0: Reader, if you feel as though my tenses were inaccurate, write in and let us know. Anyway, what did you enjoy that wasn't a video game?
1: Uh, I enjoyed a record that came out a few years ago by band Fun, period. (laughs) i
0: remember fun period
1: everybody does they had like some really big singles they had a fun period yeah we all had a fun period during which we all listened to fun on the radio and most people hated them but they still sold a zillion copies of their single and stuff
0: that's how it goes uh
1: i really like that record it's dumb as hell it's so cheesy but all the songs are hooky and pretty impressive and it's like Jack Antonoff played guitar in that band and now he produces everything. So, yeah. it was like very portentous, I think, of future pop mm. music in a way. Uh and there is a song on it called It Gets Better that is just a very good Blink-182 song. <laughs> that just yes. like in the middle of this is just like the whole record kind of has the vibe of Pop Savants just trying on a bunch of different clothes. Like And whether or not you find that to be totally soulless and without meaning or a pretty good example of people working in different styles kind of depends on you i think and i can see the argument for both sides Hmm. uh but i fall into the latter camp and i think it's pretty fun no pun intended no intended